It's time for another Pinball Profile. I'm your host, Jeff Teolos. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. We're on Facebook. We're on Twitter and Instagram at Pinball Profile. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I always look forward to seeing this man. He recently celebrated a big milestone birthday. Happy 50th to Coy Morris. Hi, Coy. How are you? Fine. I'm doing just, just fine. It's always good to see you. And it's here at Expo in Chicago. I think actually the last time I saw you was at an old Expo, the old place, of course. And we were playing Jetsons. I don't know if you remember it, but you really... Yeah, I remember Jetsons. You gave me a lesson on how to play that. And you have a great knowledge of all pinball. So as all these new companies are here and the new machines how long does it take you to learn these new machines coy i would say quite a bit longer than than it used to because they're, they're quite a bit more complex now a lot of the games a lot a lot of cool stuff in it and and it takes a while to to learn what you can do in all these games but it's a lot of fun though definitely a lot of fun you're right the learning curve is certainly more than it was in the 70s the 80s and the 90s and i bring that up because we mentioned you're 50 but you growing up in new york i think you told me it was around 12 years old when you first fell in love with pinball yep eight ball deluxe first game yep that was first game ever played such a fun game even yep. still to this day isn't it amazing that it holds up so long one of my favorite classics absolutely i think it's the i think in my opinion it's the best one ball classic I would have difficulty naming 10 others, so I think you're right there. But I mentioned New York, and you, I'm actually quite jealous and envious that you got to play at the famous Broadway Arcade, Steve Epstein's wonderful place. So tell me what that was like playing there in the day. It was uh, pretty amazing to get to play a lot of new stuff that was there. Got to play all all the new pins and uh, got to see a, a lot of great players playing. That's something you mentioned there, because it was a test location, correct? That's right. All the, all the new games that come out came out of the factory. Guess Williams and uh, all the other manufacturers at the time, they, they had Steve Epstein test the game to see, see how well it would do on location. I like that. I mean, now we see code updates, and it's easier, obviously, with Wi-Fi and a, and a stick to do that. But... It was something when you had these locations. I think actually just recently American Pinball did that with 10. Not so much for a test location, but just kind of as a launch. But I like the test location idea. Do you think they'll ever go back to that? Because it's funny. We see games that come out and they have the code updates. But when they are shown in a tournament and players will blow up a game or find an exploit, oh, that might have been prevented had it been at a test location. Yeah, that's, a, that's quite possible, you know, but it's, uh, it, 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 it is a good idea to, to see how well all kinds of players play the game and see if, if a good player can find, find an exploit that can be fixed, but if, but if it's something that, that's difficult, you know, that the, that the average player won't, wouldn't be able to get to very much, that could be found out also. It had to be exciting, and again, we're talking before the internet when Broadway Arcade would get some of these brand new games. There had to be so much excitement and, oh, I got, want to get my hands on that. Do you remember those days? Yep. Yeah, I remember playing quite a few new games like, uh, I would say, like Adam's Family, Theater of Magic, uh, Attack from Mars, all, all the good stuff there. And just imagine, I don't think people younger might understand just the revolution when a game like Adam's or Twilight Zone came out. Just, whoa, we've never seen anything like that. And I can imagine that thing just ate up quarters, people dying to play that. Yep. I would say Twilight Zone is a good example. I would say when, when I first saw, I saw people play it, and I saw people make, make the camera shot, and I heard the sound. I said, oh, that's, I, I said, okay, 
I got to be able to do that sometime. I said that that basically that sound effect made me really want to play the game, and then I fell in love with it. Not to mention the Powerball, the magnet. Yep, yep that's yeah, that's uh, Powerball is something that had never, never had been done before in the game, as, as far as I'm aware. Yeah, for sure. Of course, that's when mode base was really important. You know, before we mentioned eight ball deluxe, but that was. Not really modes. I mean, you, you knew what you could do. You could either go left orbit. You could certainly try to get the rack and the 2X, 3X yep. and all those stand-ups. But it's different when you had modes like Adam's Family, like mm -hmm. Twilight Zone. What was it like for that big change? You know, okay, it's not just about hitting shots. It's about thinking. Yep, you, you get to do more stuff in the game. And, and you can actually plan out your shots. You know, you say, okay, I have to do this and this and this to get more points. You know, at least it's, you have more in a, of an objective to go for. Another thing about New York, the original championships were there, Papa and World Championships. So you were a part of that. I think you started at the third yeah, one. Papa three was, was my very first one. Yeah, I've been, uh, yeah, I've been to all the Papas since then. I hope they come back. But what was yeah. it like back in the day? I know. I remember hearing Roger Stark tell me stories about, you know, Ellen would have to do pen and paper and try to the queuing up and all that kind of fun stuff things that we take for granted right now because we have never drains we have match play software mm -hmm. but it was pen and paper back then yep you know basically everything had to be done by hand because i guess maybe there were calculators that were used or something to add up all the stuff but everything basically had to be done by hand back in the early 90s i mean there's some kind of charm to that kind of connection with the community back mm -hmm. then because certainly everybody knew everyone and I don't know what it was like as far as people traveling to come to New York for the big events or was it all pretty much New York based? I guess a, a lot of people were from the New York area but there were people from all over who came who traveled, you know, people from California, people from uh, you know say Texas or you know other parts of the US or even uh, other parts of the world came to play since it was like a world championship people from all over came but people who, who lived in New York area had uh, I would say they had an advantage because, you know, it didn't cost them that much to attend. You know, it's, That's they, true. Yeah, and yeah, we all know how expensive hotels are in New York. But again, that experience of the maybe the machines themselves or certainly the surroundings and, and uh, again, knowing the players, it's a little overwhelming. Now, I travel a lot for pinball, and the first time you go to a place you've never been before, it's like, whoa, you know, okay. You got to get your bearings a little bit. You know, mm -hmm. you're, you're probably in a hotel and... You're sleep deprived. That's the one thing about tournaments that I always I forget. It's been two years, so just oh yeah, you got to remember to sleep. You got to remember to eat. Yep. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't forget to do it because otherwise, if if you don't sleep and if you don't eat, you're probably not going to perform as well as you otherwise could have. See, now that's when if you're playing in New York, you've got that home advantage. So you know the spots. You maybe can pack a lunch or you've got a fridge nearby. It's a little different when you're on the road, but it's still fun. And I know you've come here to Expo. What do you like about the new location here? I think it's a pretty good location. It's a pretty decent size, you know, for, for the show. When you come to something like Expo, where there's so many different things, there's the vendors, there's the new releases, there's the seminars, is there something particular you look forward to, or is it all of it? All of it. I like to take part in all of it. What was some of your favorite things at this past weekend? I would say seeing the homebrew stuff for one thing. That was yeah. interesting to see. And, and seeing uh, all the new games like Cactus Canyon and Godzilla. Yep, that's and and true. seeing all, all, all the seminars, the Stern seminars on Saturday. That was interesting. Yeah. I saw you and I together for Dwight Sullivan's 
trivia contest, his yep. kind of uh, feud without the family thing, which he's been doing for four years with uh, Corey. That was a lot of fun. It was. Some of the questions out there were, name a pinball machine with four pop bumpers. And we could name a few, but it was tough to come up with them all. Yes, it's Star Wars Trilogy, and I'm surprised that wasn't up there because that's a game that I think that people would know that it has four pop bumpers. The number one answer was Kiss, and it didn't matter whether it was the Bally or the Stern. I guessed, and I was wrong, I couldn't believe it. I guessed Xenon. Clearly four pop bumpers in that almost T formation <laughs> didn't even make the list. Come on! <laughs> Well, that's what some games uh, that you think would make it, just, I uh, guess, based on what people answered in the survey that Dwight did. But I think Xenon was like an honorable mention, I think. Yeah, should have made the top four. In my, they had Adam's family in there. And I, I have to look at the play field. No, I could... Adam certainly has five bumpers. Five, not four. That's right. right. Come on, trivia. <laughs> anyway, it was a lot of fun, and uh, Dwight said he was going to do it next year, so it's kind of a good way to wrap things up. As far as tournaments and the different play, because you've been playing for such a long time, Koi, tell me some of the formats you like, some maybe you dislike, and where has pinball gone as far as format changes? I would say back when I started playing, it was basically group play only. It would be head-to-head or group play. So group play like in groups of three or four, or you play, like in qualifying, you, you would play like the Papa style. You basically play five games by yourself, try to get a good ticket and then and if you qualify then you would play in groups of four to try to advance move on to the playoffs so that's something if you've ever played in tournaments a lot of them are pump and dumps a lot of them are group plays or three strikes tournaments things like that but what you're talking about that ticket format i've played a lot of pinball not as much as you that is the hardest one to make the playoffs because you have to be good on every game. Yeah, you have to be consistent across your entire ticket. If you have like three or four big games, that's not going to get you anywhere. You have to be consistent. You have to have a, a solid score across all the games, or maybe you might get away with a zero if, if you have like a number one somewhere else. Yeah, but, that's true. What you're talking about is if there are a lot of people competing and they're putting up a lot of scores and on that ticket you have a really low score, that might bleed down to where you get no points right, for it. Right, exactly. The, yep. the, the top person would get 100 and then maybe 95 for second and mm-hmm. so on down the list. But if you're outside of the top, say 85 or 100, yeah, you get zero on that ticket. Right. Like C-Ray, for example, in the classics, you know, if, if you didn't have a score, say, like above 25,000, you weren't getting any points for it. And that was a very tough game to play because of the way the way it was set up. Tough game. The flippers were... Yeah, the, the flippers <laughs> sucked, and, uh, and then a lot of certain things didn't work, but somehow people were able to get, like, uh, 50,000, 60,000 on the game, and yeah. that was enough for a good score. But if you got even, like, 40,000, that was a solid score yeah. in the game. So, Koi, a lot of people have seen you at events, the New York area, Pinball Expo, and other tournaments throughout the years. But for those that don't travel... They've also seen you on that old movie, Special Unlit. What yep. was it like when that came out and you were a big part of that? It was it was, uh, it was pretty fun. It was interesting to, interesting to be in a movie. Yeah, mm, no yep. kidding. Yep. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, it was the first time I've ever, actually ever been in a movie. Yep. <laughs> I mean, you were a legend before the movie, but yep. that just took you to a whole mm. new level. And, of course, people probably came up to you and said, hey. Yep. Yeah, a lot of people did that ever since the movie came out. Well... I appreciate you spending time with me. I, I wish it was a little longer, but maybe we'll do this again. And Koi, thanks very much for talking to me today. And yes, it's good to see you again, here, buddy. Same here. Okay, thanks, Koi. Yep. This has been your Pinball Profile. You can find everything on pinballprofile.com. We're on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Email us pinballprofile at gmail.com. I'm Jeff Teolis. Drive the seat.